are going to talk this hour about Christians and contentment. Uh, and I think Mark uh, said he's going to follow up with uh, talking about peace. And so that's, that's going to be the, the topics of the morning this, this morning. And you know, I think I, I told Mark, uh, which he knows because I didn't get him my topic till like Thursday, but I had just a world of time coming up with a topic uh to to talk about this week just nothing was was coming to mind and uh ended up looking back through some old lessons and this is from two or three years ago uh that we've done this and you know i think that that contentment is something that uh all humans struggle with uh and i it, it seems like maybe the more that we have or the more that we're blessed the the more we tend to struggle with contentment, uh, and and so in the country we live in, being such a uh, a rich country in, in which we all have you know more than what we need, uh, it, it's a struggle for all of us. I feel like to to maintain this um, attitude of contentment and and this mentality of being content that God wants us to have. And so, hope this lesson is uh, a reminder in ways uh, that we. We have to work towards this and, and also an encouragement to do so. Um, this guy, Leo Zhu, I'm going to just assume the T is silent, uh, but this quote, there's no greater sin than desire, no greater curse than discontent, no greater misfortune than wanting something for oneself, Therefore, he who knows that enough is enough will always have enough. And, and you know, the Bible basically says this same thing uh, in, in various ways and in various verses about our desires. Uh, and, and that our desires are where a lot of our problems come from. And, and we've talked about that in here, and we'll talk about that some more today. But in, in James chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 16, each person is tempted when he's lured away and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And so our desires, you know, are really where our temptations come from and ultimately where our sin comes from. And and we've said it in here before and, and talked about the fact that we have control over our desire, right? We can control what we want to varying degrees, we can change that for the better or for the worse. And, and so contentment is a part of that. And, and it's, it's a, a part of how we can improve those desires if we can have this uh, right kind of contentment in ourselves and in our, our daily thoughts and, and mindset and uh, that kind of thing. <clears throat> when you look up uh, contentment in vines, you get... Uh, basically a verb, an adjective, and a noun form of it uh, in the Bible. Uh, and, and I think it's something that, you know, we all have a pretty basic understanding of what contentment really is. The, the verb form of the word um, is to be sufficient, strong enough for a thing to be satisfied. Uh, and it, Luke chapter 3 and verse 14 is where the word is used that way. When, when the soldiers are asking John the Baptist, uh, what what do we need to do to be pleasing in God's sight? Uh, and he says to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. And so they need to be satisfied 
with what they're being paid. Um, don't try to get extra by extorting uh, money from other people or threatening or, or accusing people of false things. And if you if you take home nothing else from my lesson this morning, uh, I think the, the main point that I want us all to, to get in our minds is that contentment is an action and a choice that we make, right? It, it's not something that is going to really occur organically. It's not something that we're just going to end up being content people without putting any effort in that direction or without thinking about that's what I need to be. And so uh, this idea of con- of contentment is going to require some work on our part and it's going to require a a certain mindset on our part to, to be able to, to get where we need to be with it. Um, the adjective form of the word... Uh, defined in vines as sufficient in oneself, adequate, needing no assistance, uh, like Paul in chapter 4 of Philippians. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Um, and so again, you know, what is Paul saying here except that he has learned, he's basically, through life and through making decisions uh, towards a certain end, he, he's learned to be content no matter what's going on in his life. He needs no assistance uh, for things, whether it's the things that he needs or or whatever circumstances or situations he finds himself in, he's content with that. Uh, And that, again, uh, is something that he had to learn to do and it's something that he had to to basically choose that state of mind, right? Um, Because he had uh, plenty of opportunities to to not be content if he wanted to be that. Uh, And so... Um, the noun form of the of the word uh, contentment in the Bible is, is basically just satisfied with what one has, which is that's probably the most often way we think about it, right? We're just we're content with what we have. First um, Timothy chapter six six is where uh, the one place the word is used in this way. It says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." Um, we're going to look at these verses in a little more detail here in a minute, um, but. You know, when you when you examine contentment in the Bible uh, through a, a little more of a magnifying lens, we can see that it's somewhat of a broad concept. It, it could be physical stuff. Uh, we can be content with our wages, like the soldier. Um, it can be situational. We can be content with our situation. And so it, it's kind of a broad thing that contentment covers. It's really going to be all aspects of our life. Uh, that, that having a content attitude would would cover. Um, from a physical standpoint, just basically our earthly possessions are the things that we need or have. Uh, Jesus speaks to that in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. It says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so, you know, here, the word contentment is nowhere in this verse, right? But the the idea of it is present. Uh, and, and it's basically the answer 
to this idea of, of being anxious or worrying about the things of this world. Um, and, and so, you know, again, if we have a mentality to be content in whatever we have, if we just, you know, are fine with the fact that we have what we need, uh, this anxiety that oftentimes comes in life will uh, go away. So this passage in Luke and, and the one in First Timothy are the, are the two we've already looked at, um, but it's this same idea of not uh, or of being content with uh, physical things. Uh, and, and we talked about the soldiers being content with their wages, not trying to get extra uh, by, by extorting people or threatening people or falsely accusing people. Uh, the passage in First Timothy, uh, let's read all of that, starting in verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich and fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so you know, Paul in this passage is, is trying to, to teach Timothy or get Timothy really to teach those that he's uh, working with <clears throat> about contentment and, and the importance of contentment for a Christian. And, and this, the conversation uh, in the context of this is around worldly goods and, and the things of this life. You know, he tells us, you know, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. And so that is the mentality that a Christian should have. And, and you know, that's pretty basic stuff that all of us here have, right? Uh, and and it's hard for us, again, in the country we're in, to just be content with that because the world teaches us more, 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 right? Get more, more, more. You need to, you need to go after more. Uh, it's never enough. And, and the warnings that, that Paul is giving Timothy here and, and us too, uh, it starts in verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Uh, because of their desires, they're pulled in a direction that leads to ruin and destruction, uh, and and so we can see the dangers of not being content in this verse. Uh, we can see that, you know, not having an attitude of contentment is going to end up pulling us in a direction that that can destroy us and that, that can cause us to not be faithful to God. And so, you know, I think uh, of of all the verses we've looked at thus far, you know, this passage in Timothy uh, is is probably one of the most plain verses that kind of spells out the two roads that we have to choose from, right? We can choose to be content or we can choose to not be content and this road leads to a good place and the other road does not. And so uh, we have to keep those things in mind. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so this, this passage basically puts together what we looked at that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 uh, and what we just looked at in First, in First Timothy, what Paul said to Timothy. Um, 
to keep ourselves free from the love of money and be content with what we have. Why? Because we have God as a helper to give us the things that we need. And so there's no, there's no reason really for a child of God to be anything but content. But again, it's a challenge for us uh, to, to choose contentment over uh, seeking after the things of this world. <clears throat> all right, we have uh, examples all throughout the Bible. These are just uh, a couple of spots where we can see Jesus uh, himself and Jesus uh, teaching his disciples about contentment uh, and, and, and Jesus living a life of contentment. There in Matthew chapter 8, uh, we see uh, where Jesus basically indicates that he, you know, he doesn't even have a home. Uh, and if you think back to those passages that we looked at with food and raiment, be content. You know, it doesn't even mention a home in that, does it? Um, it says, Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Um, and, and this isn't Jesus lamenting about that fact, is it? Not everyone in here is a, a good enough Bible student to realize, you know, Jesus isn't saying this in a woe is me fashion. He's He's just making a statement about that's that's the way he lives, um, and you know he he was content to just have the the basic necessities of life. When he sent out uh, the disciples uh, on the limited commission, uh, he sent them out in pairs, gave them some powers, but he also gave them some instructions. And I, I often think of this as is this a, a training session for them and, and for the work that they were going to do later after he was gone. And, and these instructions, starting in verse 8, it says, He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. Uh, and so what lesson is he trying to teach them by... by telling them not to take a bunch of extra stuff. I think it's one to tell them they don't need a bunch of stuff. They need to just be content with what they've got and to rely on God to help them and give them the things that they need. Uh, And, you know, this is, uh, again, a a lesson or a training lesson for them uh, that that they'll need uh, going forward after he's gone. And so, you know, the idea of pursuing the things of the world uh, and, and gathering up more and more in this life was basically a foreign concept to Jesus. And, and he wants that to be a foreign concept to us in a sense, right? That doesn't need to be our focus. Um, a, a second thing uh, that we see about contentment, not just with our physical possessions, right? Not just our stuff, but we also see uh, contentment in the Bible around circumstances. Uh, And so uh, that's a a second part to think about as we think about being content, is I need to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. Uh, And this is, again, I believe, a decision or or a learned behavior. That's what Paul is saying, Uh, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever situation I am. Uh, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, 
of abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so, you know, we we have so much information about Paul in the New Testament and the, the difficult things that he went through, right? It, there were times uh, when he had plenty. Uh, he had everything he needed, and things went good for him. And there were also times when he didn't have what he needed, and things went bad for him. And so, uh, and, and the things going bad for him wasn't just he might not have had enough food to eat that week. Uh, it, it was imprisoned and shipwrecked and all, you know, all kind of circumstances that were less than ideal, uh, he was able to be content in. Uh, and, and that sets a, a huge bar for us to, to train ourselves and choose to be those kind of people uh, that we can be content in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We're not going to read uh, this passage in 2 Corinthians, but, but this is the section where Paul is basically having to recount all of the things that he's gone through, all the sufferings that he's gone through. Um, you know, beating, shipwreck, hunger, spent the night in the deep, uh, you know, sleepless nights, sicknesses, and prison. You know, all of those things, you can read that section, and, and by the end of it, you're just like, my goodness, that was rough. Uh, but... What does he say except he had learned to be content? If you put this section together with what we looked at in Philippians, you know, he had learned even through all those things he could still be content because he knew and believed that, that if you were on God's side, it's going to be okay, right? You'll have what you need, uh, and, and ultimately it's going to be all right if you are, are faithful to God. And so... That's really where our contentment has to be based in, right? It has to be based in that faith that I am one of God's children, God cares for me, and God is going to give me the things that I need and take care of me uh, and, you know, accept whatever that is. Uh, and that can be challenging for us, but, but that is the, the standard that's set for us. That's what we have to, to train ourselves towards is having that mindset. You think about Paul and Silas uh, when they had been arrested and were in jail. Uh, in, I guess that would be in Philippi. Um, they were praying and singing in jail. After they had been beaten and thrown in jail, what are they doing but praying and singing hymns to God? Uh, and so, you know, when we find ourselves in dire circumstances or difficult circumstances in our lives, you know, we basically have two choices that we can make, right? And it's a, I mean, it's a mental decision. We can choose to be woe is me about my situation or about what I don't have, or we can sing and be happy, right? That's, that's really the two choices that we have. And, and that's the two choices Paul and Silas had. They could have been woe is me in prison. Here I am. I find myself in jail again for the cause of Christ. This, this is a bad deal. But that's not what they chose, is it? They chose to sing and be happy. Uh, and, you know, those are the same choices that we have in our lives when, when difficult situations may come up or when we, we get to thinking, you know, uh, we don't have everything we want in this life. You know, we, we can, again, choose woe is me or we can sing and be happy. Uh, and, you know, I think we can see from what we've looked at so far, what choice God wants us to make, right? He wants us to choose the sing and be happy and, and be content, be that kind of a, of a person. 
Uh, and, and we can even see in scriptures why he wants us to be that way. Uh, it's part of what glorifies him. Uh, that's the example that's been left to us by Jesus and by the apostles. They, you know, uh, the passage that, that we read about Jesus' suffering uh, and, and other New Testament passages, we can see that, that Jesus was willing to be that sacrifice because he loved his Father and he loved us, and, and he wanted to, to do the things that he was supposed to do on our behalf. Uh, with, he was content with that. Uh, the apostles, uh, throughout their lives, in, in, in the records that we have, we can see that they were happy to suffer for Jesus' name. Um, they realized how much he had suffered for them, uh, and they were happy to suffer uh, for him. And Acts chapter 5 is just one of the places where we can see that. It says, when they had called in the apostles, uh, this is not long after Jesus has gone back to heaven and, and they've begun to preach the gospel. It says, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they, that's uh, Peter and John if I remember right, uh, left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And so... Again, same choice that Paul and Silas had sitting in prison, right? Uh, the, these apostles had in Acts chapter 5. They, they've been arrested. Uh, they, they were basically uh, put on a, a type of a mock trial uh, and were ultimately released with the charge of, you don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. Uh, but what was their choice? Was their choice, oh man, how are we going to do this? How are we going to be Christians they're going to be working against us just like they worked against Jesus? Or was their choice to sing and be happy? You know, they were happy to suffer for the name of Christ. They were going to keep on doing what they were supposed to do. They were content with that no matter what um, troubles it brought them in their lives. <clears throat> and so not only is that one of the ways that, that God is glorified through us having an attitude of commitment, of contentment, but it's also something that's good for us, right? Uh, just like all of God's commandments, this, this commandment to be a content person uh, is something that's really good for us. Uh, we already talked about uh, if that's your mentality, then, then the anxieties and worries about life uh, you know, won't bother you like they will if, if you are not a content person. Uh, and you know, Deuteronomy 6 is a passage we often go to about the Lord's commandments being for our good. I think everyone uh, knows that passage. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, it says, And we know that, those, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so, again, just a couple of passages that we're all familiar with that remind us about God's commandments being for our good. Um, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the the word contentment doesn't really pop up a lot in the book, but the the tone of contentment is all throughout that book, right? Uh, and you know, the whole book you've got uh, Solomon basically saying, "Look, I've had everything in this life that you could have. Anything I wanted, I got." Uh, you know, I, I, I went after this, I pursued that, 
but what does he say at the end? He says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know, that's his uh, synopsis of what life should be about. Um, and, you know, again, the word contentment is not in this passage, but you can see that. And, and you can, when you read that book, you understand that that's what his point is. He talks about all these things being vanity. You know, going after these worldly things is a vain thing. It's not going to bring you uh, the satisfaction that you're looking for. And so, you know, ultimately, we have to choose to be content with what we have, what situation we find us in, and and focus on fearing God and keeping His commandments because that that is what will bring us uh, the satisfaction that we're looking for, uh, the peace that we're looking for that I think is what Mark's going to talk about. Uh, and and ultimately will bring us the reward in heaven that we're looking for. Philippians chapter 4 uh, says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so... Again, going to talk about this peace of God more in the next hour, but but the two go hand in hand, right? We can't have that peace if we don't have a mentality of contentment. Uh, they they go hand in hand, and and you really you can't. It's like uh, uh, faith and obedience. You can't pull them apart. They're so intertwined that, that that they can't be pulled apart. And the same thing goes with contentment uh, and peace. So when we choose to learn to have this proper attitude of contentment, uh, we will have that peace and confidence we need to be faithful. We'll we'll have a happier, more fulfilling life, which is good for us, right? Um, we won't become despondent about our circumstances because we're choosing to sing and be happy no matter what's going on. We've made that choice. I'm going to be fine with whatever state I find myself in. I'm going to have a smile on my face and be happy. Um, and, and we'll be able to withstand, you know, the struggles and challenges of life much better if our attitude is one of contentment because we're not thinking about what we don't have. We're thinking about what we do have and that we're thankful to have that and, and content with having that. And so... You know, when we when we develop that and portray that in our lives, again, it, it's one of the ways God is glorified. Uh, it's part of how we are the salt of the earth, right? Uh, when when we have a mentality of contentment, no matter what's going on in our lives, if we're able to be content with that, we're in the minority, right? Uh, because most people have not developed that or don't even try to be content when things aren't going good uh, for them or where they're not, when they're not where they want to be in their lives. Uh, and so it stands out. Uh, to see someone who's able to, to maintain this commit contentment like we see Paul and Silas having, uh, like we see the other apostles having, that you know, even though they were going through difficult things, they were still able to, to be content to be happy, uh, to be uh, people who are joyful. Uh, you know, when, when you see that in somebody, even today, it stands out because that's not what is a normal human reaction, right? Normally, when things go bad for us, we, we poke our lip out, 
right? And we we want to walk around saying, woe is me. And so as we train ourselves and develop the mentality to not be that way, uh, it helps us to stand out to others, and it, and it, and it glorifies God and, and creates opportunities for others to look at us and, and be positively influenced and ask questions about how are you able to bear up under the things that you're going through. Um. <clears throat> Right, so I think we all understand, getting short on time, we, we all understand that being a faithful Christian is, is not really something that's portrayed throughout scriptures is, is all, you know, roses and puppies and bunnies. You know, that's not how God has painted the picture of a Christian. He's painted it as the right way to go, but he's told us very clearly that it's a difficult way. It's, it's something that requires work and diligence. Um, he tells us there's going to be troubles that come uh, and, and that we need to be ready for those. And so, you know, knowing that, uh, we have to, again, choose to be uh, a content people, uh, and that contentment has to come from our faith in God, our trust in the promises that he's made. Uh, and, you know, again, the better we can do that, the better equipped we'll be to to weather the storms that come our way. There's a couple uh, things right at the end that I wanted just just to mention about contentment or the opposite of contentment, uh, and that is this idea of covetousness. And and the Bible, uh, you know, basically defines covetousness as the opposite of contentment. Is to fix one's desire upon, to lust after, to stretch after, to desire earnestly is is what the definition of of coveting something is. Uh, and and in Colossians chapter three, that's one of the things we're told to not have as Christians is covetousness. It says, "Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry." And so. Think about everything we've been saying about contentment and how important that is to being successful as a Christian and compare that to an, an attitude of being uh, coveting or covetousness. And, and it's described here as idolatry. You know, that's how God views us having desires for the things of this world, right? If our focus is up on the things of this world, and that's all that we focus on and think about and strive after, God's viewing that as idolatry in his mind. Uh, and that should jump out at us because, you know, I don't think anybody here uh, has got an idol in their hid in their bedroom that they go worship. Um, but, but the challenges that we have in our lives are basically, again, taking some of our focus away from God and focusing it on the things of this world, right? And, and splitting our, our desires between God and the world. And, and that's why God calls it idolatry. And that's why it can be something, something that's so dangerous for us. Um, there, are, there are a few things. Uh, I think this is my last slide. A few things that I had that are... Uh, things that are wrong for us to be content with, right? We've been talking about how we should be content. We need to be a content people, uh, but we can also be content with the wrong things, right? 
Um, and you can talk, call this complacency if you want to, uh, but it, it's basically being good with the situation. Uh, and, and the first of all is, of course, some sin in our lives. We, we can't be content with having sin in our lives if we want to be found faithful to God. Uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 11 and 12 talk about how a Christian should be dead to sin and alive to God. And so, you know, that is just one of, of a gazillion passages where we can see uh, that sin in a Christian's life is something we cannot allow ourselves to be content with. Um, sin with our brethren. Think about 1 Corinthians and the situation they had going on there uh, where they had uh, an immoral man among their group there in Corinth. Uh, and what is Paul's warning about that? That, that the, the leaven will leaven the whole group, right? And so he, he's telling them, y'all can't be content with allowing him to be among you uh, living in sin like he is. And, and, you know, we've talked about that and studied that, and, and that, they dealt with that. Uh, but, but again, that is, was wrong for them to be content with that situation. Um, you think about... Those in Thessalonica who seemed like they were content to, to not work and be productive in society. Um, you know, we can't be content with not being workers. Uh, and that, you know, the, it can't be this idea of I'm not going to have a job because I have, you know, a loaf of bread. You know, God wants us to be productive people, right? But it's all about our mentality. Why are we working? What are we doing with those things? Uh, the, the passages that, that we go to about, about working uh, teach us to work so that we have something to share, not work so that we can get more stuff for ourselves. And, um, and, and also not don't work if you have all you need, right? He wants us to be busy, productive people. Um, look at Luke chapter 12, uh, the, the parable of the guy who was going to build bigger barns, you know, and that, that goes hand in hand with, with what was going on in Thessalonica, it seemed like. But, and he said, I will, and this is picking up in the middle of the parable, but the, uh, the farmer said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so, you know, this is a, a good parable for us to see really how our mentality should be about contentment, right? Was, was this farmer content with what he had? Uh, in a sense, he was trying to get there, right? He wanted to think he had everything he needed so he could just chill out. Uh, but it was the wrong kind of contentment, right? He, he, he was seeking um, basically this world's goods to have all, all that stuff piled up for himself, and, and that's the wrong kind of contentment. That's not the kind of contentment that we've been talking about uh, this morning. Another... Um, <clears throat> thing that's wrong for us to be content with is uh, is to be content with not growing as a Christian. God doesn't want us to, to be that way. If you look at Hebrews uh, chapter 5, uh, I don't have that on here, but that's the passage that talks about uh, 
by this time you should you should all be teachers, but instead you're still babes, right? You you haven't grown as you should. You're just you know basically sitting there staying steady instead of of striving for growth and working towards growing. You you become complacent or content as a Christian, and and it, again that's the wrong kind of contentment. That's not what we're what we're striving for uh, to be faithful to God. And so this morning um, we always offer the Lord's invitation at the end of of this hour for anyone who. Uh, is not a Christian, uh, that, is, that is something that you don't need to be content with in your life. If you've never become a child of God, uh, then you, know, you, you don't need to be content with that state uh, because that is something that uh, after this life will not go well for you. And so uh, we, we always offer that, that uh, opportunity for anyone who's thinking that way. But... but for those of us who are Christians here, again, I think sometimes we may find ourselves being content uh, either with sin in our lives or, or with not growing as we should, uh, and, and those type of things are where we oftentimes can get off track, and, and we, we always, again, want to encourage one another to not be that way. We want to be here for one another uh, to pray for each other and, and help in those circumstances. And so if there's something uh, here that there's we can help with as a group, we ask that you let that be known as we stand and sing. Number 20 in the supplement.